Hey everybody, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 147, November of 2021. Our guests this month are Carl Dickinson and Jeff Dunn, co-administrators of Caravan Productions, which is hosted on Facebook. Since the pandemic struck, theater folks have been ingeniously creating new ways to maintain the art form and to stay involved with friends and colleagues. Carl and Jeff have found that virtual interaction, while not substituting for the actual real thing, goes a long way to accomplishing these goals. I'm a drama teacher by trade, um, so I'm never able to sit still. So lockdown hit me, school closed, and I was drumming my fingers, really, and stuck for things to do. And I've always got to be doing something creative, and I'm not very good at drawing or music. Um, so I figured it would be nice for a few of my other friends, who I know are also actors and directors and so on, um, to get together and just read a play every week or so, just to keep in touch and keep creative. And that's all Caravan intended to be at the beginning. Uh, which was in May 2020, we started um, and it's quite quickly. It's 2021, so you've had a... Yeah, so quite quickly, people said, oh, can I invite my friends? And, and the group just grew and grew and grew. Um, and because I really like the idea of exploring new writing, um, because we see the same productions over and over again. I get a little bit bored of them, and I know there's a lot of new writing out there. So I approached uh, Playwriting UK, some of the other Facebook groups, and, um, and just thought, oh, I'll just ask if anybody's happy to have their play read, not really expecting the deluge of uh, <laughs> plays back. I thought... Playwright goes, say, you want to what? Yes, I'll send you I 700 thought, of my favorite pieces. Here are my see, last I 12 seriously full thought nobody would let us read their play for free. Mm. And, and I couldn't believe how people were so happy to share their work. It was brilliant. Had you never um, met an so actual playwright before? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and now I know too many. <laughs> yeah. I Far too many. Know. So, yeah, so we started to explore like, every week. Um, a number of new scripts. We started with full length, but because there were so many people that wanted us to explore their plays, I thought it was better to use short pieces mm -hmm. and more people could be involved as well. Um, but of course, because they're actors rather than other playwrights sort of just sharing reading plays, they soon started to perform them and there were props and costumes involved and everything. Um, so they developed from there and then I introduced challenges because being a drama teacher, you just love to sort of get people working together on little projects. Mm. Um, so I set odd little challenges and people loved it. And uh, they worked in teams of threes and fours and uh, were set a task. I had nothing more to do with it. And then I'd see what they came up with at the end of the time. So, um, yeah, so it's become a lot more than just a play reading group. So you basically moved your classroom online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the material. Let's break up into groups and we'll report back by the end. Yeah. I taught high school for a while too. I was going to say, I have been called Miss by a few people. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Carl, I have a question. Yeah. Can I go to the toilet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so has it lasted longer than you thought? 
it has longer than I wanted. I'm being absolutely honest. I thought, right, we'll we'll just go as long as we can, you know, for over lockdown. And when lockdown finishes, um, we'll draw it to a close. And I tried to draw it to a close. But then everybody still wanted to carry on and keep in touch. And I said, well, we can do it. We can keep it going, but maybe not a read every week because people are going back to work and yeah. busy lives. Um, so we've done that. We we still have reads, but they're sort of monthly or, you know, every six weeks rather than every week. Uh, but it's been fabulous and a lot of people have kept in touch. And what I think is absolutely amazing is there have been so many sort of spin-off projects so that people who didn't know each other before caravan have now got together and worked on on things for other festivals or competitions or um projects so it's brilliant really really yeah, happy you've you brought people together that had might not have met each other before yeah or the pandemic has and yeah, then well, <laughs> It's not I think that's one of the things that's it's kind of set Caravan apart from a lot of the other groups that are on that have, you know, whether it was a weekly or monthly or bi-monthly reading, Caravan has a bit of a social aspect to it where people are starting to connect on a person-to-person basis, as well as just sort of that face in a box that's going to read a script or, yeah. you know, for, for a half an hour or an hour and then go away. There is that sort of social tissue or uh, connective tissue that that keeps people together and i think that's different than at least the other groups that i've seen um most of them are really focused just on the moment in that reading right now and then we go away and we don't we don't really do anything more or outside yeah. of that instant yeah yeah it's, so it's, it's a real it's a real community and there's always banter isn't there and conversations about other things as well so yeah jeff yeah. how did you get involved with this well, I, um, I'm a playwright, which means as soon as I see something that says opportunity to have scripts written, I'm like, oh, oh, my God. Well, I don't, <laughs> how can I not take advantage of this? That's um, Pavlov's playwright. Exactly. <laughs> you ring the submission bell and I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes, here, here, read my stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had I had been doing things online. Um, I, I have this, I'd mentioned to you in the past, um, small group that I had uh, gotten together, friends and what have you, but never really anything like Caravan, um, just as an informal thing and other groups that are online. Uh, and when I originally came across Caravan, which was something in like late July of 2020, early August, somewhere around there, I figured, well, this is another one of those things. And I had sent in a script. Uh, I guess before I sent in a script, I, I had attended a session or two and was just, you know, what is this about? Uh, sent in a script and yeah, yeah, we'll read that. And um, I really, I guess I got hooked after that because of just the reasons I was mentioning, which is it was it was different than the other things that were going on. Um, people were putting more effort into rehearsing something, even if it was just to get together one time before. That's still more than most of these other groups would do. Uh, and but more, you, we could easily see. Uh, that it, there was this social aspect. These are people who actually were enjoying getting together and they were enjoying each other's company. And it was a great environment. Um, there, was, there was a lot of energy getting poured in from Coral, of course, but others as well. Yeah. Uh, and 
that made the difference. And so I said, you know, I, this is something I'm really enjoying beyond what a lot of these other ones are. And so I started to say, well, let me pour some energy into this as well. And that really is, is how I got hooked into it. And uh, I still don't do as much as, certainly not as much as Coral does, um, but trying whatever I can to help keep things rolling and, and moving smoothly. Yeah, because things uh, like so this just, are amazingly work intensive. Mm. They can, yeah, they can. They definitely can be. They are, and it, it just, as I say, it snowballed in it. You know, really developed. It was too big a job for one person. You know, it's kind of like help, and and it was really nice. So there's a there's a team now, isn't there? That sort of oversee caravan and some of the different uh, responsibilities that there are. So that's been really helpful. I think that's the reason why it's still going. To be honest, if it was all on my shoulders, it, well, you saw how organised I was tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, but you made it. That's what counts. So, yeah, it's 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 great to have these ideas and to say, hey, kids, let's put on a show. And wouldn't it be great if? Um, which is a really it's a dangerous phrase to even think about, you know, because it would be great if, but. Like with so many projects, and especially theater, I think you can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. It you know if it's going to grow, if it's going to stay, you're going to need, you know, you're going to need some help. And this has been going now for what a year and seven months. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And as of this recording, your next big project is going to be, I believe, Frankenstein. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so as well as new writing, um, there are always classics out there that people just love. So uh, we've had A Doll's House. We've read, um, what else have we done? We're going to do A Christmas Carol. We're going mm -hmm. to do Frankenstein. Um, importance of Being Earnest. So every now and again, there's a classic read in between our new writing um, events which is fantastic because you really do have a nice balance of things that we all know and love and exploring something that we're not sure if we love it yet until we try it. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's really nice that there's something familiar for people too. So yeah, we have Frankenstein, which has got quite a large cast um, reading. We won't be rehearsing that. So our classic reads are just turn up on the night read it um and hopefully a few people tune in to listen to such a fantastic story perfect for halloween you've been getting some great crowds so far people have been very positively <clears throat> excuse me uh very positively responding to this so yeah I mean, it's i think part of it also is that there's a lot of different activities that are going on so different people who want to engage at different levels or have those opportunities so the, the the type of people who are going to be interested in attending a Frankenstein is an overlap, but not identical to people who are going to want to show up and hear some new work or perform a new work, or just, for example, the coffee hours that we do just come in and hang out for an hour and chat. Um, and so there's a little bit of all these different things that I think helps a lot in keeping people engaged in all of it because everybody's going to be most excited about something slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. And those those coffee hours, um, Jeff, that you run, 
they're a great opportunity for people to learn from each other and ask questions and, you know, a nice sort of safe environment. They don't feel silly. There's, you know, there's no such thing as a silly question. And it's just a really nice, informal um, atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've been participating in those for a little while and I really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It's a good crowd and everybody's supportive of each other. Um, And I've, I've, I feel like I've gotten theater. That's I was one of the first things I started to do, to get back into theater, um, being so you know forced away from it from the pandemic, mm. and I was I was very pleasantly surprised to see how, how welcoming and positive it was. It was like getting a little bit of the theater life back because I think yeah, oh that's lovely. Most of us are jonesing for this. That's it. I think people think everybody in theatre is sort of backstabbing and competitive and trying to, you know, beat everybody to the part or to, you know, have their play produced. But actually, there's a lot of good, supportive mm-hmm. people out there. And um, and that's what I think has really come across with Caravan, that people want to achieve together, not instead of or in spite of somebody else. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can all win. We can all be happy. I've found over the years that 99% of theater has been positive and supporting and wonderful because I keep coming back. If it, if mm-hmm. it wasn't welcoming or you know, beneficial, I wouldn't be there. Um, and I think the whole image of theater being contentious is just another dramatic gimmick. Most of the times I've been in theater, our cast parties, people cried because it was over. Yeah. You know, we were giving each other hugs and was like, when are we going to get together again? You know, I, I think there's, I think there is something about the fact that it is theater and <laughs> that does uh, lend itself a little bit to over dramatizing the amount of drama that's there. Because if you think about it, think about your average workplace, think about your average family environment that would, you know, pick any environment. There's always, there's always something contentious going on somewhere. Yeah. Humans are humans. You, you can't get around that. And and of course, there's something going to be contentious in theater. There's a way that there's things contentious in sports as, you know, anywhere, anywhere it's going to be there. Um, you're going to have it. But the truth is, I, I my experience is just like both of you are describing, which is, for the most part, really nice people. Yeah. Um, and they do care. They, you know, it, they recognize it's a team sport and that success is working together. It's not. It's not trying to upstage somebody else, you know. Mm. Yeah. And I think, as you say, there are opportunities on all different levels in all different um, projects. There's something for everybody. So it's not, you know, um, somebody always getting main parts or the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spotlight feature. Right. So, yeah. 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 I, I had an old director who would have agreed with everything we're saying so far, but we've would have included in sort of an undertone, wherever you find four or more people together, you're going to find Xanax. Um, so, yeah, it's there are those moments where it does it does get a little bit contentious, but that's life and that's people. And without that, we wouldn't have drama and we wouldn't have theater in the first place. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, There'd yeah. be nothing interesting to write plays about. It would just be love stories. Nobody and I never get tired of those. <laughs> Speaking of writing, that's a beautiful segue for the next question. Jeff, you're a writer. Of course you're a writer. I mean, you could have written anything. 
Um, but what convinced you to go into playwriting, this unbelievably lucrative and glory-ridden vocation? I mean, how did you learn? Well, I, I mean, aside from the, the lure of the, the awaiting riches, uh, what have you, um, I actually, I've written almost probably every other type of writing before I got to playwriting. Um, I, when I was very young, I used to write uh, predominantly poetry and then uh, short stories. And then by the time I was finishing high school, I guess, um, well, no, yeah, yeah, it was really in college. I turned to music and the poetry kind of transferred right over into writing songs. Uh, and that was my thing for a long time. I continued to write short stories and uh, somewhere, some couple of decades later, even a novel or two. Uh, and then in my my day job, I do a ton of technical writing. And uh, so I've done all these different types, but it wasn't until I got into really by accident writing scripts that I found that there was a definite resonance. To me, the level of effort that goes into writing all these other things wasn't really, I shouldn't say it's not there when you're writing a script, but writing scripts felt much more natural. It allowed me to focus on the individual or pieces of it that I really enjoyed, the story, the characters, the dialogue, uh, and not have to deal with all those other little pieces that honestly, I always felt like I was just I had to get through to finish whatever it was that I was writing. So I'm not one, for example, who wants to describe the trees in the park. I, this does not excite me. I don't want to tell people what the room looks like. I want to get to the story. I want to get to the part of it that to me is the inspiring piece. And I discovered that that's playwriting. Um, and so having started this off, I actually originally did uh, kids plays for a couple of years with a drama group that I was with. And I just wanted us to be able to do our own thing. And I'd suggested, well, why don't we try writing a script? And everyone went, yeah, it's a great idea, Jeff, go, go do it. Come back, tell us what you get. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a try. And, uh, and I discovered that this just really was a lot of fun. And I think maybe starting with kids plays helped because we would go off and perform them. And, and to be honest, like looking out at an audience of laughing children is one of the most rewarding things in the world. Sure, I mean, yeah. you really just, yeah. it's hard to top that when, you know, the, the, the little girl in the front row comes up after the play and just wants to give you a hug because she's so excited and so happy. But I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I have three daughters. So like, I'm just like, oh, I'm so touched. This is, you know, it's so phenomenal. Um, so it really, it had a lot of reward to it in that respect. And uh, and then just continued to to build on that. It was, it just felt very natural. Yeah, well, that's that's a wonderful thing to keep you going, especially with children, because they're, they're so honest. Yeah. And right. when they're happy and they're effusive, they, there are no filters. They just, they just tell you exactly how they feel. Yep. Uh, and it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, they're not, they're not laughing to be polite. No. Kids no, aren't going to, no. don't do that. They're, yeah. you know, when uh, we used to go out to, uh, in those early pieces, we would perform primarily in libraries and children's hospitals. And nobody in the world needs a little bit of time to relax than kids who are, have these serious, uh, you know, medical conditions in these, in these hospitals. And to go out there and, and they're laughing and they're smiling and it's, 
wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're making a difference. Like this is, this is, it's hard to imagine that in many ways that there's more of a, an important difference than you can make than to bring a smile to, to the face of a kid who really needs a smile right now. They need a laugh right now, you know? Yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing more noble on the face of the planet than keeping children happy or entertaining them or teaching them a thing or two. Yeah. 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 I ran across this quote. I aim to provide the unexpected atypical spark that motivates one to re-examine the mundane and rediscover the magic that we so easily trade for comfort. It sounds so familiar. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you write about people and people are, for the most part, well-meaning, but we're flawed. And without those flaws, we wouldn't have theater at all. Um, what is it about people that on the inside that you would never talk about in public or on air that amuses you so much? Uh, they're crazy. They're, they're, they're absolutely, I mean, they're, they're the most bizarre, bizarre creatures on the planet far. You know, it's, it's almost going to a zoo is almost ironic as to who's watching who at that point, because we really are strange, strange creatures. Mm. We, we wrap ourselves up in pictures of what the universe, what we think the universe is. Uh, we're very dedicated to those pictures, to those world views. Uh, and, and sometimes we hold on to them to the point that we're just, you know, viewed from the outside. We're, we're absolutely insane. I, like, how are, you, how are you able to ignore a world of evidence that says that you're missing the point and yet you do i do it everybody does this you, yeah. you get a you get a thought in your head and you're going to stick with it no matter what it is but sometimes you don't right and it it's usually that that nudge that comes from somewhere else that makes you wake up a little bit and go oh oh wait a minute maybe maybe i i do have to re-examine something that i thought i had figured out before and uh you know, is it those and when you find those people, at least for myself, those are the most enjoyable, rewarding people to interact with because they start to question, you know, question you back. Well, yeah. did you think about this? Hey, Jeff, did you realize that you're showing this kind of pattern? I had no idea I was showing that kind of pattern. Like, but you're right. It is there. Um, and I think, you know, being able to be in some kind of community, wherever it is, where people are are actively trying to keep you awake to mm -hmm. what you're doing, whether it's what you want to be doing, which sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, uh, and, and encouraging each other to say, you know, is this, are you growing in the direction that you want to be growing? Are you growing at all? Um, are you making a difference? And all these questions that you want to ask yourself. Uh, there's nothing more fascinating in the world than people. On the other hand, I did just get two new kittens, and there's nothing in the world cuter than two baby <laughs> kittens. But, but. Oh, but you see, now this is why it's so fantastic being Jeff's friend, because the amount of conversations that we've had now going, oh, I'm feeling really upset because this has happened or that has happened at work or whatever, and I'm getting really stressed out. And Jeff will just, like, send me a, one of the plays that he's written, and he goes, <laughs> oh, yeah, that character's thinking. And it just makes me think about things from a different perspective, um, it just, it's a bit of a wake up call that uh, I can't remember which play it is now, but the, you're not the center of the universe and that things don't always happen because of mm. you, uh, but you know, when you're upset, that's what you think. Um, so I just love the fact that 
there's so many pieces that you've written that seem to just apply to, um, you know, if they apply to me, they apply to everyone. I would have thought we're all, as you say, we're all human. We've got common experiences yeah. and common feelings, but we all think that we're unique and we're not. <laughs> um, and that's what you realise when you're reading some of your plays. Is that uh, yeah? We're as unique as we think. We is are. that you, you? You've been there before, or yeah? It's yeah. Uh, it's hard to describe. I'm not the wordsmith. <laughs> yeah, but you are a teacher. And you deal with students and you deal with souls and minds that are exploring and discovering mm -hmm. the world, which can be a wonderful place to be and can also contain so many tragedies. Um, but you've been yeah. at the London Academy of Music and Arts, right? Mm -hmm. For a while now. And yeah. it's always been seems to me that the teaching of drama is the teaching of how to understand how we react and why we do the things we do because mm. theater is the answer to the question what were you thinking <laughs> you know, why would you do something like that and you sit down for 10 minutes or two hours and theater kind of explains that to you but you work with these you work with the kids so yeah how did you get yeah absolutely that? how long have you been doing that because i love that profession Ooh. i've been teaching drama um in groups for um 30 something years okay um but i now teach one-to-one -one, and that's so rewarding because you then have a connection with one student focus on them and their progress and development at a time um, and you really build up a, a great connection with them and as you say it's about more than just performing those drama monologues or um, public speaking and creating a speech but it is about exploring themselves and it funnily enough I had an email from a parent whose son has done all of his graded exams up to grade eight he's now about to complete this postgraduate qualification it's like the last thing that he can do and um, and he still wants to stay on. And she just went, but you're like therapy for him. He's very stressed doing his GCSEs, his exams and all of his lessons. And his session with you is the one thing that he looks forward to every week. And so I want him to keep up with it, even if there aren't any more exams to take. And I think that sort of says it all. It's not about exams. It's not about playing the parts. They're all sort of side products. It's really about exploring yourself and being at ease with your own thoughts, your own decisions in life that's and your relationships with people. Because yeah. it, it always seems to me that that's what theatre is, teaching us about ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And just developing confidence in yourself, not necessarily confidence to get up on stage, but confidence in your own decisions and in your interactions with people. How many children, I mean, people, but children in my case, lack that self-esteem? And they even question their own opinions in a, in a discussion. And so that if they can now articulate their thoughts um, with confidence, you know, that's, yeah. that's going to fare them well. This isn't about preparing you for the stage. This is preparing you for life. 
Oh, yeah. And you're going to interact with people forever. So, There's a tremendous number of skills that overlap between the theater and the world, right? Between, in, in a way, you're almost describing sort of the, the social interaction training wheels that somebody can say, well, I, I don't know how to really, I'm not comfortable communicating with my friends. Theater, here's an opportunity. I, somebody's written out a script. I can, I can walk through that. I can say I'm one step more comfortable engaging in an exchange with somebody else than I was before. Even if the exchange is crazy, I would never say anything like that. You've had that little bit more practice of having a conversation that doesn't leave you maybe with this feeling of being completely lost or terrified. And then, you know, the other pieces of this, the one that I've I've been I've uh, I've sort of tooted the horn of for a long time is the improv side of this, mm -hmm. uh, where the skills that that underlie improv, if you look at where those show up, they're, they're everywhere, right? Every every private in, uh, interaction that you have, every uh, public facing, every every uh, workplace interaction, you know, the the successful path forward tends to have that yes and aspect to it that is the hallmark of improv uh and i'm actually I've, I've been thrilled to notice over the years that people are using improv training as a way of team building and everything else now um but the the strength of theater for 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 life is uh is i think massively underappreciated maybe yeah. not from, by people in theater who are like well of course it is that's it. Oh, it's something that we we've known for ages, but it's so lovely when you see that the rest of the world starting to recognize it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful training thing. I was I had the opportunity to teach uh, stage directing at a community college a number of years ago, and in the interview for the position, um, the person in charge said, "All right, I got to ask you this: Why should we even bother funding, you know, a, a, a course on stage directing?" I said, because it will help you develop A, social skills, and B, you'll be able to problem solve anything mm. after mm. you do this, okay? Because theater is completely unpredictable. Working with people you've never met before is completely unpredictable. But between all the interpretation of the script and all the things you have to figure out how to do to make this work on stage, you're going to be exhausted. But you're going to have a set of critical thinking skills you did not have before. So in one sense... It teaches you the, at least the mechanical basics for recognizing a problem and steps to figure it out. Yeah, um, not being rigid yeah. in your thinking, right. but yeah, mm -hmm. flowing and and being organic. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the question we should teach more people in school is how can we solve this? Mm. Whatever yeah. it happens to be, how can we solve this instead of how can we ignore it? How can we make it worse? How can we solve this? Mm. You know, yeah. the, and if that doesn't work, what else could we do? And it's having that that flexibility of you know there isn't just one answer yeah. to right. anything. Yeah. That well, you know that it's one of the the things that is is most troubling about the de-emphasis in on art and arts in general, mm. whether it's theater or anything else, is how how little we value it. And yet, I'll tell you, you know, in my day job is I do science and engineering, the the skills that I find are the hardest to to find in in other you know in people we're we're trying to hire or whatever is the ability to have that creative aspect to it. Just who can 
come up across a problem that is not working the way that they expected it to and can not flip out about it, but step back and go, hmm, how can I try this differently? How can I think about this a different way? And that's, you know, that's artistic training. That's thinking outside the box. Yeah. Um, and it's a balance where, you know, having, not having that other half of it, I think, is a real detriment. Um, and how do you convince policymakers or whatever that they actually should fund this stuff, right? I shouldn't have to, to fight to, to have a stage management class. There should be 10 people trying to hire you to, to give those classes for the value they provide. Yeah, they should. One of, mm. one of the things I think college and, and a, a lot of typical schools teach us is how to get it right. You got to get this right because this is the way to do it. These are the textbooks that we've written, and this is the way things are done, and this is the way you learn it if you want to succeed. And life isn't like that. It's not at all. You know, I mean, the actors among us and the and the drama teachers among us will know that if you're doing a show for what twenty nights, twenty one nights, something like that, you're on stage. You're going to deliver lines differently. It's going to occur to you, oh, I can be angrier during this. I can cry. I can give my back to this person. I can change this thing up and see what the dynamics go. Not necessarily to make it better, but just to see what happens and having the permission to be flexible, to explore, mm -hmm. all right, to go back and change something, having that permission and having other people applaud what you're doing just for doing it mm -hmm. is something I think that's sorely missing in quote in heavy quotes here, the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And being able to say, right, I made that change. Oh, no, it didn't actually work, did it? It wasn't as good as yeah, such and such. You know, you say, okay, well, I tried that. I'll try something else. Yeah. 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 Cora, um, drama just self-review. Sorry? How did drama find you? Oh, my gosh. Um, I would say it's ever since I was a child and I get went on holiday and the holiday camp that we used to go to had a fancy dress competition. Um, and we used to go to the same place every year, Great Yarmouth. And uh, my dad used to be very competitive. And so he would make my costume and I'd have to be the winner. So he would go all out. I was Elvis Presley once in the old jumpsuit and he sat there for hours at night sewing on sequins and things. Um, yeah, so I think that's where I got into sort of playing characters and dressing up and really enjoying drama from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just carried on with youth theatres and so on as I was growing up. Then I... I, I took it as GCSE and A-level and degree. And then I worked as an actor for a few years and then decided I was fed up, keep, <laughs> keep trying to source work that I wanted something a bit more stable. Um, and I'd also done some theatre and education group work as well and run workshops. And I really enjoyed teaching. And so then I went for my teaching qualification and was a head of drama for quite some time. Nice. So, think, yeah. In my case, it was sort of more of the equivalent of drama jumping me in a back alley. I, uh, <laughs> I was my a freshman in college and wandering around, not trying to figure out what to do that evening. And I saw the poster said audition for for the players. And I noticed I was about 20 minutes late for it, but I really didn't know what else to do. So I walked in anyway. 
and I, I was an engineering student and I figured, well, I'll go in, I'll, I'll do lights, I'll do sound, I'll do something technical about it. I walked in and the director said, all right, here, read this. I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm an engineer. I, I don't want to do any of that stuff. And he's like, whatever. Here, get up there, read this. So I went up, I read it. And then uh, that was sort of the end of the, of the evening. I didn't know anything more. And about two or three days later, they posted a cast list down in the student center. I walked up to it. Oh, look, they've given me a part. Isn't that nice? And then another guy who ended up becoming a very good friend of mine over for many, many years to follow, walked up behind me. He was already involved in the theater. He had got, he knew that the cast list was out. He had gotten his copy of the script and he saw me looking and he goes, you're, uh, you're Jeff, aren't you? He said, yeah. He said, you have more lines than God. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and he pulled out the script and I'm like, I have every other line in this play. And that was it. I was hooked. I, I, after that, I was just, I fell in love with the whole thing. I, I did not see it coming at all. And uh, it was, it was a great introduction to, to theater. I, I never escaped it. I took a, a good long vacation from it when I was in grad school and then my family came and everything was hard to get back, but yeah. It's, it's yeah, one of those things that you just can't let go or it doesn't let go of you. It's always there. Mm. You know, it's the, the thrill of rehearsal or the thrill of being on stage is, yeah. that's why we keep coming back. Yeah, and I think that was the important thing about lockdown. The theatres could be closed, but we weren't going to stop. You know, theatre people were going to still make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful segue to my next question. Literally, this is the next question I've got on my list. How did how did this bloody pardon my French um, pandemic changed everything for us? I mean, Coral, you're a mm -hmm. teacher. Jeff, you're an actor and a playwright. And we don't have for a while. We haven't had theaters. We're just starting to get some back. Mm. You know. Um, and everybody's kind of like, you know, my vax. Do I wear a mask? Is this thing? How has this changed your your theatrical life, and what have you done to compensate? Well, you know, it's it has uh, it's changed the nature of theater, uh, certainly during the pandemic, and uh, I think it will continue the 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 opportunities, the venues for doing this that are not standard theater are going to continue. I don't think. When people are back in theaters and everybody's feeling comfortable, you're not going to see anything being performed online anymore. That it, I think it's here to stay, and it's changed the nature of the art and created kind of a new one that's not quite what theater was, of course, but it's also not film. Uh, it's a live, shared, socially distanced performance mm -hmm. thing that's I don't see going away. And of course, because of that, from a playwright perspective, it means there's another avenue of styles of creativity to explore, right? Writing with the expectation that your actors are going to be faces in these little boxes that are around us. Um, or some of the other stuff that I've, I've read about and seen, 
where people are doing live performance in shared environments. So everybody's in a virtual world and you're able to get somebody acting in the UK and in the US and somewhere off in New Zealand. And, but they're all showing up live, interacting with each other live in a common set. Uh, you know, and th that kind of technology is going to continue to to evolve as people do this. It's it's a new art form. Yeah, and the only the only bad thing are time zones, aren't they? Yeah, well, yeah. Everybody's on different time zones. <laughs> it's like, okay, this would be a really great time for me. Yeah, it's the middle of the night for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I cried. I actually cried when I first came home from school and school had closed, and I thought that's it now. I'm out of work. Life is over. I was just you know, <laughs> drama queen. Um, and I was depressed for about maybe an hour or two. And then I thought, right, pull yourself together. Let's let's do something. I've got free time. <laughs> what shall I do with my time? Um, and I think I've always been like that, that it's, you know, I think it's good to be sad and to mourn that, yeah, the theatres have closed and, and work has closed and everything's different and, and we don't even know different how. And it was really quite scary at first wasn't it and everybody thought they're going to lose their homes and, and unfortunately some people have but I think overall people have found ways of doing things haven't they just differently we we found that adaptability um they'll you know necessity is the mother of invention and all that it's we have to keep going and we have to keep ourselves active and so we did you know, and it's, I think, not just in theatre, but a lot of businesses found different ways of doing things that they wouldn't have done before. So, you know, sometimes, I'm not, I, I would never say the pandemic was a good thing, but sometimes we are pushed into situations that stretch us and challenge us mm -hmm. and make us discover that we're, you know, stronger than we thought we were or more creative than we thought we were. Yeah. Um, so... Life has a way of knocking us out of our comfortable little status quo. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's gentle and sometimes it's not so gentle like uh, like this one has been. Um, I want to get back to one more one more thing before we sign off. Jeff, you brought this up and I want I'm, this is a question for both of you because you're both online a lot. Okay, and theater has moved online, as you've just said. How will that evolve? How will the tech evolve because barring time zones we have questions of what's it going to look like do we still need set designers do we still need lighting designers do we still need all these other professions that contributed to the stage the nexus for the audience for for the entire performance which is now online and everybody's been doing zoom which is great on one hand and people hate it on the other because it's not the real thing Where's this going to go? What kind of tech are we going to start seeing? I, you well, go what's ahead? your wish list? <laughs> Let's put it that way. So I'll tell you, there's, I, I think there's, a, there's a, definitely a, a push towards blending the, the different art forms that are performance-based. And the, the recognition that we can do something that is remotely accessible right i can be anywhere in the world and tune in even despite time zones that's going to push the i would expect 
that somebody will wake up one day who's got enough of a software background to create a version of Zoom that allows people to hear laughter without interrupting the other um, the other sounds. And there probably are, in fact, technologies that are like that that don't have that either or kind of thing. I my kids use far more than I do Discord, and I think that that, for example, is something that would enable that anyway it just didn't really hit the theater groups so much because uh, that's i know in zoom performances at least the inability to hear people laughing is by far or reacting in any, in some way is is really the most uh or the saddest <laughs> absence but you want it as an actor especially giving a live performance you want to hear that feedback and so anything that is going to help connect that but i for myself I find myself playing more and more with uh, CGI-based technologies, which is really taking uh, a huge leap forward. What I can do on a single computer today, of course, is something that would have taken a studio of 45 people 10 years ago, right? But it's all packed into a machine today. Newer phones can do expression capture. So all of a sudden, instead of dressing up like a donkey, I can actually create a CGI donkey and I can map my expressions onto the face of that creation. I think that technology is going to open up huge doors for creating different kinds of film experiences and so forth. The, the cost of doing motion capture and the stuff that's been purely Hollywood level, multi-million or hundreds of million dollar movies is going to keep decreasing. And uh, I, I think that's going to that's going to open up a lot of doors. Uh, it's definitely something that I'm interested in. Uh, and then the other piece of it being the virtual aspect of it means that different audience members at the same event potentially being able to experience different ex different uh, versions of the play, right? I'm going to, even if it's as simple as I'm going to watch it from this angle and I'm going to watch it from a different angle and see how I see it differently or... I'm going to stay here and listen to Hamlet talk where somebody else says, I'm going to go follow uh, um, Guildenstein or, oh my God, I've just, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstein, <laughs> I, I could blank on the names, right? I'm, I'm going to follow that pair and go figure out what they're going to do. And I want to, I want to listen to the version of this that's uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstein are dead. But, yeah. yeah. So a bit like those choose your own adventures and you follow whoever right. you want. Yeah. And it's all you know, going so, on. I think I think it'll be uh, I think there's a lot more opportunities for doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, um, with we've had other challenges where they've made films, so groups have made films, and it's still they've still not been in the same location, um, but they've still managed to film themselves and edit it all together. And as Jeff says, it's putting the power to do these things in the common man's hands rather than it always being left to the big studios. Um, so I think having those resources and as will enable a lot more creativity from everyone. But certainly for theater, the, the secret would be whatever technology it is that makes you feel like you're part of the event, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it's film and there's nothing wrong with film, but it's not theater. Um, something that you you're connected some way that performance was specifically for you and whatever it is that makes that happen, I think is going to be, it's going to be the game changer for, 
from a technology perspective. Yeah, because right now mm-hmm. it seems to be a cross between film and theater, but it's live people, but everybody's right. on video. And you're not interacting with it the way you would be sitting in an audience laughing at somebody's joke or crying because you know, the plot twist happened or something like that. Yeah, you're disconnected from it. So Yeah, and that's why I don't think it will ever take the place of theater. I just think it's been a lovely, it's a new addition um, and a new option yeah. to have out there for people. But it, obviously nothing will be being in the theater in the yeah. same room as the play. Never. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason people still go to movie theaters, even if you can stream it into your home, right? Even if, even that, where you have no direct impact on the stage, right? You can shout as much as you want at the film and it's going to go exactly the same way. You wouldn't have done that in the theater, right? Somebody would have responded, but even that, people will still go to the theaters or cinemas, right? Uh, Because it's a social experience. I want to go see it with a friend. And I don't want to see it with a friend remotely. I want to to be sitting next to the person. Um, I want to hear their laughter and laugh Mm -hmm. because they're laughing and all that. Uh, I can't imagine it going away. And I want to fight for the communal armrest. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I want to steal your popcorn when you're not looking. I want to do all these things. Yeah. Well, Coral Dickinson, Jeff Dunn, this has been so much fun. You guys are just so much fun and so wonderful to talk with. Thank you both for being here. Well, thank um, you. Thank you very much. Before we take off, because I know my mm-hmm. audience is going to want to just find out more about you. How can they do that? Where can we find you online? What can we you know, find out more about Caravan and about yourselves as artists? Okay, well, well on, on Facebook, uh, there's Caravan Productions Group, which is the group of us to actually join and get yourself involved in our challenges and our reads and so on. Or if you don't want to get involved, but you just want to know what's on, there is Caravan Productions page as well. So you'll know what's going on and when to tune in just as an audience member. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And as from my perspective, uh, by far the best way to learn about what's going on is through my website, which is www.bearcreations.org. <laughs> Do not misspell bear. I have never tried to go to that website. I don't want to know what's there, but mine is like the animal bears. So bearcreations.org. And uh, you can learn all kinds of stuff there about me. So. You're also on NPX. Is that uh, correct? I, I Yes. I have uh, I have a great deal of stuff on my website and a very small portion of it that I've uploaded to NPX because I am either lazy or busy, depending on how much responsibility I want to take for that. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to, to upload it as much stuff there as I want to, but cool. slowly making its way. Wonderful. It's been great speaking to you both. Thank you. Thanks Thank again, you. George. Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes and Spotify. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or know of someone in the theater who'd make some seriously good chat, by all means, send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again for listening. And please, stay safe. Be careful, not only for yourself, but for those with whom we all share this rock. 
And as always, happy theatering to all of you. <laughs>